Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Absolutely Not. I am your host, Katrina Troll. I'm a certified career coach and HR consultant who created this space to provide examples of setting healthy boundaries at work. There are so many professionals out there that don't have this skill. I just want to be able to bring resources onto the show so that you can, so that it encourages you to adapt and implement this skill at your own work, place of work. Before we jump into today's topic, I'd like to to define some words that we use frequently on the show. The first being boundary, something that indicates or fixes a limit. For example, if you tell your boss, <clears throat> I've taken on a lot of responsibilities in the past six months, I would like to be up for a promotion. That is setting a boundary stating that your job duties have been piling up and you need more money and a better title to go with those responsibilities. Gaslighting to manipulate someone by psychological means into questioning their own sanity. In that same conversation, if that manager said, aren't you, aren't you getting a little too big for your britches? Or aren't you kind of um, jumping the gun here? I don't think it's time for that at all. That would be gaslighting. Dismissive, showing that something is unworthy of consideration. In that same conversation, if you say, okay, well, I do believe that I am up for a promotion and I have all these performance evaluations to share with you. Could we set a time to talk about this a for a longer amount of time? And they say, ah, we'll get to it maybe next quarter or when, when we see that there's a good time to do it. That's dismissive. Today's episode is entitled, I think the fuck not. Uh, yes, take it in, take it in. And that's brought to you by my very special guest today, Jamila Paschel. She lives out of Austin, Texas, and has a passion for connecting women from all walks of life. She started Sister is Fine LLC because she realized after her divorce that she was no different from any other woman. What struck her the most was the lack of knowledge about financial health, and even bigger issue was the lack of support women felt they had when they needed it most. Oh. Happily remarried with her four children, she wanted to make an impact on her community and ensure that she made a difference on how women and young girls viewed themselves in all aspects of life. Sisters Vine curates mixtures for women to mingle and vent if they need, and workshops to strengthen financial and physical wealth and health. In the end, a healthy set of boundaries and a continued dose of self-love can help rebuild anyone's definition of self-worth and respect. Thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited about this episode, especially the title. Um, I don't know if you saw on Instagram. I was like, the name of this episode is this because this is the attitude that I think that we all need to adapt in the workplace. Thank goodness I am no longer in corporate America. Sometimes I miss it, but for the most part, there are definitely some boundaries that have been overstepped time after time after time. And I think that this is the time that we say no, absolutely the fuck not. No, <laughs> no more. <laughs> Man, and I'm so excited about this because you yourself are actually a licensed psychologist, are you not? I, no, I'm not. I am a certified life coach. I awesome. teach boundaries um, and I teach a lot of self-discovery. A lot of women come to me because they just have just the intertwined thoughts in their mind and they don't know which way to go and they have goals and aspirations and they, they don't know exactly how to navigate those paths that they have. There's 10 different paths to get to one 
to, to one dream. And I help them to navigate those waters. And I'm so happy that you're able to navigate them. Everybody needs a life, a lighthouse, and you're going to be that lighthouse for so many people. So how does yeah. boundaries help with guiding people to that new sense of wellness and health? So I think I, I think that the way that I explain boundaries, the easiest, um, first of all, I think we get intimidated when we talk about setting those boundaries, because when you set a boundary, you have to cut people off, right? You have to be mean and stern. No, you just really need to do what's best for you. And what I've come to realize is that a lot of people set boundaries without, without even knowing that they're doing so. So you let that phone ring, you're setting a boundary um, for yourself and for others. You know, at nine o'clock at night, don't call me, <laughs> don't text me. Uh, when, you, when you don't look at the phone after a certain time or before you get out of bed, then that's a boundary that you set. When you tell somebody, um, one, one, th one thing that I do hear a lot is when friends call each other the B word. I'm not one of those you my friends cannot call me that and it's not something that I acknowledged at a boundary a long time ago it's just not how I was raised mm -hmm. to address my friends and to have my friends address me so those are things that we typically um do but not realize that those are boundaries mm -hmm. so that's that. I just think that when we set a boundary, we're removing noise. Mm -hmm. The less noise and clutter that we have in our minds, the easier it is to see more clear, maybe not the clearest, but you know, we weed through all of that noise just to get to where we want to be. That's amazing. I love that you use the word noise because uh, I'm a very visual person. So when you talked about the noise, I thought about did everything just going away, just being peaceful when I set boundaries. Yes. And I think before a lot of people don't have that vocabulary of boundaries. So just like you said, we, we didn't realize that we were doing that. How empowering is it for a lot of people when they get this new vocabulary? It's like a breath of fresh air. It's a revelation. I've, I've had it described as a revelation. I've had it described as peace. Um, and it's really different for each person, depending on the situation or the circumstance that they're dealing with. So it can, it can really go either way. Oh, that sounds amazing. And that's how I feel whenever I set a new boundary. I'm like, oh, I can breathe better. Um, yes. What does it look like or what did it look like when you took your first breath of fresh air and set your first boundary at work? I literally could feel weight lifted off of my chest. And it's so cliche. And I realized that a lot of things when it comes to self-love and self-care and setting boundaries, it's cliche. I felt like my shoulders felt lighter. Mm -hmm. I would walk around with tension from my head down to my shoulders, to the middle of my back and wake up sore the next day just from being stressed out at work. Mm -hmm. um, so when I start to set those boundaries, I can just feel all of that stress alleviated. Oh, and it sounds, it sounds amazing. It sounds like being on a beach. I'm happy for <laughs> you and you were able to take oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, What was the first step in moving to your boundary-filled life today? Let me tell you something. So 
I go back to one of my most fulfilling jobs was a front desk agent at a a four-star hotel, the Intercontinental here in Austin. And I absolutely loved it because I love meeting people. And so I'm meeting 50 to 100, sometimes 200 people a day. And I'm becoming the face of this hotel. And it was very awesome. I was there for, I, I don't know, I think three years. And then I was like, oh, it's time position opens up. And I applied for that position and did not get it. Um, and that's when I decided that I deserved and I knew that I deserved that. And I knew I did not deserve to be at the front desk. Mm. And it truly was not in my intention. It was just the job I had after my divorce. Um, so I had to set a boundary. I will not allow people to treat me this way. And I know that they cared about me. They loved me as much as you can a coworker, but they were not willing to give me the opportunity to shine in a different department. And I had to not allow them to give me a give me the short end of the deal just to make them um, profit or give them great reviews on TripAdvisor, which was the thing back then. Uh, well, I say back then, it wasn't that long ago. I'm not that old, <laughs> but but so yeah, um, it has to be a win-win situation. And at the point where it feels like it's one-sided, then you have to step away. And I I love that that was accountability on both sides, that boundary that you said, okay, are we going to allow people to treat us like this, continue to yes, treat us like absolutely. this? Right? Because how you allow people to treat you is how you're treating yourself. It's, you're treating yourself that way. You're just allowing them to project it onto you instead of you doing it to yourself. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> somebody is going to hear that. And that, that somebody is me. Oh my gosh. You are just allowing them to project that. Oh, Lord, because are you worth that? Are you worth the treatment that you're allowed? Oh, oh okay. Look, okay, let's bring it back. Let's bring it back. I love, I love that you, talk, uh, you talked about um, they loved you as much as a coworker can. Let's talk about that dynamic in that relationship. Is that a boundary, the word coworker? Yes, absolutely. There's and just a discussion I had with my children about like school friends and fake friends. Mm -hmm. My daughter, she's 10 and she's going to the fifth grade. And she said, yes, I'm excited to go back to school, except for, I don't want those fake friends. Well, I'm like, well, what do you mean? And then she goes on to give the example. And I had to let her know that's not a fake friend. That is just your schoolmate. That person is just being a schoolmate just because he doesn't want to be your friend outside of school. Doesn't mean that he is, you know, toxic by any means, or that he's anything more or less. He just wants to keep it at school. And the same goes for work. Um, I have to acknowledge, acknowledge that my coworkers went above and beyond for me. I had gotten pregnant and I went into early labor two times once at work um, because the job was that stressful, but they sent flowers. They, I kept my job. Um, when they should have given it away, they did a lot for me. But again, that was to appease me so I can come back and get give them those reviews. Um, and then you really, you really find out who your friends are um, versus coworkers when you leave a job or when you when somebody else ventures off because do you hear from them? Do you hang out outside of work? And even if you have drinks after work, that doesn't mean that you're 
friends, friends, your your acquaintances and and you're still colleagues and coworkers. I think that's definitely a boundary that you have to set. Um, and there are many ways to set that boundary. When I start a job, I go to Facebook and I search for people that are there and I block them. We will not be Facebook friends. <laughs> <laughs> you will not see anything that's on my profile. And I don't put work-related things on there anyway, but um, that's just another, way that you can set a boundary with your coworkers. Mm -hmm. If they ask you to go out, you know, are you willing to rear, for me, I have a family at home. So am I willing to rearrange that family time to go out with them and call them friends? We can always powwow and we can love each other dearly. But like I said, as much as coworkers can, because at the end of the day, are you going to donate your kidney to me? Um, are you going to help me pay for my rent if I fall short? Those type of things are the things that you have to keep in mind. And if you're on the same level with that person, is that person going to go against me when they know that I need that, um, that promotion? Are they going to be conniving and maybe try to damage my reputation in order to get that promotion? Those are the kind of things that I think everyone should keep in mind. Just keep it work and everything will be okay. And everything will be okay. I, um, when you were speaking about the roles in each position, I, I, it made me think of a job description. And it's, it's really, it, the job description is the boundary we have for our duties and our responsibilities in any role, but we don't have job descriptions for everybody else. Not really like, okay, you are my coworker. This is how we communicate. It's so important, just like Janelle said, that you need to start writing that out on your own. Okay, this is a coworker that will not donate their kidney to me. So this is your role right here. This, this, and this. I talk to you at these times. We good. Um, the company will not provide that to you. So you need to ensure that yes. you have those families in place. Yes, absolutely. Um, my last job that I, well, not my last one, but uh, one of the previous companies that I worked for, it was just me and another, I'm, I was a sales manager for AV company. Um, and I got to this company from the front desk agent um, position, by the way, they made me so mad. I applied for this job and ended up getting and just stepped my way up. But anyway, it was me and another colleague and it was just us in the office. Everybody else was upstairs, about five other people. Um, we had a routine. We had an understanding. Um, he was gay. He was my gay work husband and that's fine. And when I was pregnant okay I have four children I seem to always be pregnant at work uh but <laughs> he was he was the dad at work you know if I needed something he would take care of me um but we still had that boundary we if he popped in his his uh ear pods mm -hmm. I did not bother him that was just an understanding that we had and I think that people shouldn't be so stuck on oh, this is a coworker, how do I treat them? Mm -hmm. It is completely okay. And let me just emphasize that it is completely okay to be friends at work. You have to get along, mm -hmm. but just don't take work home. Don't take home to work, keep it separate. But when you have that kind of relationship with my colleague, like I did, it becomes special. You find it easier to work with that person and you kind of build each other up. And it really is about teamwork, making the dream work, mm -hmm. which is my motto at home, by the way, <laughs> with my children. But that's what it all boils down to. 
And this teamwork goes with the boundaries as well. When you identify a boundary with somebody, if they're not ready to take on the needs of the team, you and I together, then you know, oh, we cannot be a team then. My bad. I, did, I had no idea. We are not a team. So that comes up a lot. And that's when, um, so me and that colleague, we were the sales managers and it was the sales managers versus upstairs, which were the technical team, the people who put on the shows um, and put them together um, physically and operated those shows. And that was something that we ran into a lot. So it was teamwork with me and my colleague because we had sales quotas to meet. Mm -hmm. We had to appease the hotel we had to appease the, um, our regional manager with our sales um, quota. And then there was upstairs who had their set of goals that they had to manage. Mm -hmm. So at a certain point, we, you know, we come together once a week, we powwow, talk about what issues we have, whether it's like, okay, I don't feel like you're being a teammate or, you know, issues with actual shows that we were doing. Um, and then we break. And everybody's on their own unless there is an issue. And I think that that's just something that you have to figure out in the work dynamic that you have to figure out once you get there and once you see who you're working with. Mm -hmm. there's, and there's a lot of different personalities. So that's something else to take into account. Someone may come off as rude, but they're the sweetest person. They just don't know how to approach you. Um, we had coworkers from California, Oregon and then this guy from New York and everyone thought the New Yorker was rude no he's from New York <laughs> this is actually his nice voice <laughs> so getting to know those people and their background a little bit about their background without prying too much um, could really help with mm -hmm. that um, being a team and having that teamwork that make that dream work and to have those discussions um, so you you can't just go into an organization and be like, oh, you rude, boundary. Like, I, I'm not going to be. Um, so what does that discussion look like when that New Yorker or whoever, you're like, oh, you're rude. What is the next step in that discussion? Um, so I think that you, depending on where you're at, I had a supervisor. So, and this is not what I did because I don't have to do these type of things because I can handle it myself. But if you cannot handle it, then you go to the supervisor or whoever's above and just be like, hey, um, John seems a little standoffish. He doesn't really, and he's very short with me with his mm -hmm. answers. And then, you know, that other person can give you a little, oh, don't worry about it. It's not you. He doesn't have an attitude. And he's, that's just, that literally is just how he is. Not to excuse his rudeness, but he's not being rude. Mm -hmm. This is just John. We'll ask him to smile a little bit more. <laughs> so I think that you just have to get a consensus. And if, if it's a big enough problem, then absolutely the supervisor has to go and deal with that person after getting so many complaints. But if it's just a one-on-one -on -one thing, then that is definitely something that should require mediation. And it's so important that you're in an organization that has that support system in place. So if you went to your manager and they're like, okay, that has nothing to do with your job, go sit down or whatever, right. then you would know. Um, have you ever had those types of conversation that has nothing to do with your job? Um, no, because I have always had that boundary within myself um, <laughs> for a very long time. Um, I think that when I was so... This is why boundary setting is so important to me. I went into preterm labor um, 
with my youngest son. He is seven now. And I was pregnant and I was working at the intercon, um, which by the way, is not the intercon anymore. Well, you're not even here. You don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay. So this hotel is downtown and this off of Congress and there's a pride parade that happens. And there's an Austin um, marathon that happens. These two happened at the same time, um, same weekend. So I literally had drag queens in my lobby and runners and injured in my lobby because we were a checkpoint and the entire system in their entire hotel went down and I stressed myself and I was hot uh, we had to wear these real thick suits it was just a horrible thing um, and they weren't stylish uh, <laughs> but I went into labor at that point and I didn't know I was in labor I was you know I had those Braxton Hicks contractions. That's what I was thinking. It wasn't until hours later when I was in the hospital that, you know, yeah, you're in labor. At that point, um, I had gotten some flowers from work. Um, the next morning, I was on bed rest. And one of the first questions was, so when do you think you'll be back to work? I'm like, I'm out. Like, hello, I'm in labor. They had to stop it, put me on bed rest for a few weeks. And then I was on bed rest at home because that three weeks was in a hospital and then bed rest at home for the rest of the, uh, until I delivered. Um, but that's when I, a light bulb went off and that was a moment where I was like, yeah, that's work. Mm. That is definitely work. Um, having to fight for your worth at work is one of the most demeaning things that I think a person can go through because you know that you're worth something but your life is in the hands of these people who pay you mm -hmm. so if you make them too upset you know I'm in an at-will state they'll just let you go no problem and that's that and then you have bills so I think that just trying to find that balance between knowing your worth and getting what you're worth and and being of peace of mind and being able to perform your duties as such I think that's the hard thing that people have a, a hard time with it's a, it sounds, it's a balancing act it sounds like and for a lot of people it's fueled by fear but I'm so glad that you had that light bulb moment um for the people out there that have maybe had that light bulb moment months ago what mm -hmm. would you say to them about okay we need to pack it up right yeah, now so, so I would be very interested in knowing what they're doing. <laughs> you, I have always been one to never settle. Even as much as I love a job, I know that this is not it for me. Mm. Um, here I am with my own company now. So everyone don't settle, go out and do your own thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think that I would want to know what you're, what are you doing with your time mm -hmm. while you're performing these duties and doing your job? When you know that this is not what you want, are you planning your exit strategy? And it doesn't have to be tomorrow, mm -hmm. but in some cases it does need to be tomorrow. Mm -hmm. If people are degrading you and demeaning you and, and disrespecting you, it's time to go. Mm -hmm. Because when you do leave, they're just going to post your job. They're going to mark you as a do not rehire. I think that everybody needs an exit strategy. I've had one every single job that I've had. Um, 
my very, very last job, I was still an AV salesperson for a new company and I was laid off because of COVID, but yes, girl, I was laid off. <laughs> but at the same time, I was working there and building Sister is Fine. So mm-hmm. I just took that as a sign. Mm-hmm. Jamela, you're supposed to be focusing on that business, not working. And some higher power knew that I wasn't going to quit my job. So I took it as a sign. And I know that a lot of people lost their lives to COVID. That's not what I'm getting at. I'm getting at that was the perfect opportunity for me to walk away without feeling guilty. Mm-hmm. Because I do feel guilty when I leave jobs. I cry and everything. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> but plan your exit strategy. Do not let anybody know what you're up to because they'll come back and bite you Mm -hmm. Um, and just have faith in yourself Mm -hmm. and move intentionally. Mm -hmm. So keep your resume updated. Um, Always network. Even if you're um, meeting somebody for a beer or a glass of wine or for dinner or whatever, Mm -hmm. keep your network networking going. And that way, when you finally do become fed up enough, you Mm -hmm. maybe have some options. Mm And build that support network outside of your job. So there are people like Jamila and myself and a lot of the people that have been special guests on my show who are willing to support you in that transition or in that fear-fueled frenzy that you're in right now. So make sure that you have people in your corner for that. Um, Who were some of the people that were in your corner when you made your transition? Well, which time? Because oh, there's been plenty. Um, so right now it's my husband. I have to keep him in my back pocket and on the side, but really my mom, my mom is my sounding board. Um, I, for one, I can make rash decisions. I can really be spontaneous with, with what I decide to do with my life. So sometimes I have to call my mom up and tell her what I'm thinking so that she can sometimes it's as easy as her repeating it to me mm-hmm. and I'm like oh no that sounds insane or sometimes she's like oh well yeah that sounds like a good plan okay good I'm glad I was on the right page mm-hmm. but uh, my mom my husband uh, those are really the only well until recently those have been the only ones that I really depended on to like be my sounding board right now I'm building a circle of new um, I don't like new friends and old friends, but I'm, I'm gaining people. Mm-hmm. Um, and these people that I'm gaining one lady, her name is Nick Sally. She's an attorney here. Um, and she helps entrepreneurs, um, with their trademarking and, and just really working through a lot of the things that it takes to, yeah, jot that down. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we actually met at an event in 2019 and COVID happened. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, I need to meet her. I need to meet her. I need to meet her. And we just happened to message each other in March. Like, okay, it's time. We really need to do this. So we met for lunch in March. I will never forget it. I cried then too. I'm, I'm becoming a very emotional person because of the journey that I'm on. Um, but she basically told me, she confirmed that I was doing a good, a good job with my brand and what I wanted to do. 
I'm like, okay, you're a lawyer and you kind of know these things. So I'm glad, and I've done everything on my own. So um, she boosted my confidence in that way, but she also gave me some very sound advice. And she also named a few situations that I had been going through um, when I'm transitioning from my, from my old self to my newer self that has to go through all these new things. She named it that at that point I cried because I'm like, okay, I'm not going crazy. I'm not an emotional creature that's just losing their mind. This is what I'm going through. She checks in with me. I check in with her. We actually have lunch coming up soon. Um, but her, and then I have a plastic surgeon, Dr. Aisha White. Um, she is also, these two women, we're supposed to all get together, but these two women have really empowered me in a way that I've never seen myself. Mm. Um, so I think that that's very important. I know that I'm a good person. I know that I'm a giver and I know that I have a lot to offer people. It's just really nice when you have people pouring into you for a change. Mm. And so I hold those two tightly. I'm not letting them go. Um, but right now, yeah, I have four people and then my children, but I don't know how much <laughs> really give me <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> And it, it's fascinating because as soon as you start pouring into yourself is when those people start gravitating towards you that, oh, we are on the same wavelength because before when your, when your cup was empty, the, those empty cup people or the people like, oh, my cup's empty too. Let's just clink our cups together. Just, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So um, one coworker that I had in my, at my very last job um, she was up in Memphis. I flew up to Memphis to, to just get a little insight from her about the job that I had taken on. And she gave me a little bit of her background. And one thing that really struck me was that her husband pays for her to get a massage every month. It's like a subscription thing. She gets a massage every month. Okay. I'm like, oh. <laughs> husband of the year here. <laughs> Not only that, she Okay, behind his back, but still. She gets a second massage every month. Self-care. And I was like, I am not taking care of myself. <laughs> I want to be on that level. And that was one of the moments where I was like, okay, I really have to um, do more for myself because the more I do for myself, the better I physically and mentally will feel and the more I'm able to offer people, but at the same time, the more I'm able to motivate them without even offering them anything. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's very important to take care of yourself because if you take care of yourself, somebody sees it, they're going to want to take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. It really is just that simple. And we, and we're not saying that you are the end all be all for everybody. Everybody's watching you and trying to repeat your actions and stuff. But when you advocate for yourself, it empowers other people to do the same. And that's what we wanna do with boundaries. We wanna make sure that everyone feels safe and comfortable in the environment that they're working in and they're getting their needs met. Because Lord knows that organization is getting their needs met. You're an amazing person. You're an amazing employee. They're getting that in some. Um, yes. <laughs> what are the top three tips you would give um, young professionals that are moving into their first jobs and are interested in maybe dipping their toes into entrepreneurship, what are the top three tips you would give them? I would say if you're looking 
if you're looking to work, but also pursue your own avenue of being an entrepreneur, then both should be in an avenue that you're passionate about. Mm. Um, and it can go hand in hand. I was in the events and I love throwing events and I love meeting new people. That's why I loved my job. What I didn't like was the clocking in and out. I didn't like driving to the office. I didn't like the politics of being at work. So guess what? I can remove those things and, and still cater to the things that I love about that job through my own organization that I have. So I would say, make sure that you're passionate about those things. Um, have a great support system. And that support system should include a mentor. Mm. I'm 34. I just realized that I need a mentor. <laughs> the mentor that I have in mind, I haven't worked up the nerve to ask her, but she's, she's written books. She mm. is known throughout the world. Um, and, you know, if things go right, then I'll come back and I'll tell the whole story about how we're connected. But um, I think that is very important that I choose her as a mentor. We're in the same field almost. She's helping women, I'm helping women. Mm -hmm. We both um, love to bring people together and, and do it for a cause. Mm -hmm. So hers actually donates to a nonprofit and, uh, and donates to help women uh, adopt children. Mm -hmm. So we both are passionate about helping people. Uh, and I just think that she's the perfect mentor. I'm figuring this out at 34. I don't need anyone else waiting this long to realize they need a mentor. So um, your passion, your support system. And then I think that the third thing should always be to look out for yourself. Mm. That should probably be the top thing is to look out for yourself, to make sure that you're not giving more to the organization than they're willing to give to you. Um, do not be tricked by I saw something online about free t-shirts. Yeah, don't be tricked by free t-shirts or free like water bottles. Mm -hmm. My last job gave us Nerf guns so we can have Nerf wars in the office. Nobody ever had the Nerf war. I was pretty disappointed. But all, all these things, don't be tricked about Christmas parties. Mm -hmm. These are just things to, yes, they want to show you that you're family, but at the end of the day, you're not family and that can be harsh but that's a harsh reality that I would rather them go in um, knowing and and keeping in the forefront of their mind than to be let down at the end of the road right and when you keep it at the forefront of your mind you're able to set those boundaries earlier with organizations specifically in the interview process you're able to say yeah. okay great y'all have pizza and water bottles and stuff do you have a great benefit package? Do you, um, what does the diversity look like on your executive oh team? Goodness, yes. How many people that look like me are on that level? So yeah, it's very important not to be razzle-dazzled by the pizza and the water bottles because times are changing. We don't have time. We don't, we, we do not have time. We can only eat so much pizza. Right. <laughs> um, one of the things I wrote down here was, uh, the mentorship and so mm -hmm. that mentorship uh, although it is a part of the support system it definitely needs to be somebody just like you said that aligns with your values and where you want to go very intentional 
Um, I'm so glad that you were able to find a mentor, even though you think it's later than you should have. It's still great that you found one. So for anybody listening out there, start your journey today, start your search today. What, um, what are the key factors in looking for a mentor that you'd say for some people? Well, one of the things that stood, about, stood out about what you just said was uh, values. Mm-hmm. And I think that is very important to make sure that you don't have someone who wants to help you until it comes to an impasse of like, do I have to do this, even though that's not what I believe in. And, you know, religious beliefs can be one of those things. Um, If someone is adamant about telling you to pray about something and you're not a praying person and you're not a Christian, then that can be an issue because you're at a roadblock. Okay, well, I don't pray, but what else do you recommend? And that if that's all that they can give you, then that's not a good fit. So I think that values is something super important. Mm-hmm. Who I'm choosing as my mentor, and I hope she chooses me back. I do believe that we have those same values. Some values um, she has that are stronger than mine, mm-hmm. but that's why I'm choosing her as a mentor so that she can help me build those up. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that you used that example because I think so often, specifically in the fields that you and I are in, Mm -hmm. Um, that that conversation comes up a lot and I don't know why it comes up it'll be like on the top and I immediately have to set a boundary and say hi I don't subscribe to that if we could not continue in this conversation in that lane that would be great could we talk about a b and c because I don't subscribe to d right right and it's as simple as that to have that conversation but um, you do have to continue to have that conversation and I think that some people are hesitant about having those conversations because they can be seen as confrontational mm. when really you're just letting them know up front, like, I don't even want to waste your time with this. Yeah. Um, I don't really deal with that aspect in life. So if we can just move or change the jargon a little bit, then that'll be great. Mm-hmm. Um, if not, then, you know, let's just cut it, cut the time short now mm-hmm. um, versus wasting days and months and years on it. Mm-hmm. And, and, that's what boundaries has done for me. I'm no longer wasting time, effort, energy, um, all of my essence, all of my beautiful self with people who do not align with what I'm, I'm trying to go here. You got the Google Maps pointing over there. We, I don't. <laughs> it doesn't compute. <laughs> yeah, I, I cannot. So yeah, if you, if you don't want to drive this car, I sure the hell will. And here's a boundary. Here's a map. Oh, good times. Man, you are helping me process so much. And I know you're probably helping a lot of people who are going to listen to this process. I want to round this episode out by asking you, what would you have done differently? I know that you've had boundaries instilled in you from a very young age, and you said you've been very powerful in yourself. But what could you give us an example of a time where you didn't set a boundary and you knew your heart was being ripped to shreds by the actions around you, but you weren't able to kind of vocalize that boundary? Um, well, that would have to be my last marriage. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that that goes uh, for a lot of people regretting that in relationships. As far as a work relationship goes, um, I would say that I did not set a boundary at a hotel property that I worked at when, um, so again, it was me and another, and another sales manager. Uh, he had been there for maybe 
um, I want to say almost 10 years mm -hmm. and the hotel knew him. And here I am a brand new person coming in, knowing what the hell I was doing. And I was very, very good at my job. And I don't think that they have seen um, anyone like me. There's not a lot of black women. There's not a lot of women in my field, period, mm -hmm. um, but especially black women. So for a black woman to come in as a sales manager and AV and tell the hotel what needs to be done, it was not perceived, it wasn't received well. Mm -hmm. So um, I was told to do things, go and attend meetings um, that this other sales manager had never had to attend. Mm -hmm. And I did it. And I did it again, and I did it again. Um, no matter what I did, it didn't please the hotel. Mm -hmm. um, they were never happy with me. So no matter what I did, it just wasn't going to work out. I eventually left the property. Um, I had a, a regional, not a regional manager. He was bigger than that, but he was in Arizona. He flew in and he actually had to remove me from that property and have a talk with the hotel um, because it was just the hotel itself that didn't like me. And I didn't set that boundary in the beginning. Well, why am I having to do this if he doesn't have to do it and he's never had to do it? And I think if I had stood firm a lot sooner, then I wouldn't have had all of the heartache and the paperwork that I had to go through. So I think that's when it's important to advocate for yourself because sometimes you can't rely on others to do so. Sooner rather than later. That's what I'm taking yeah. away from that experience yeah. is sooner. as soon as you feel that, oh, what is this? Sit down and write it down or process it how you need to. I'm like, okay, we're not doing this. We don't have time. We don't have energy. We don't have, y'all not paying me enough to do this. Not paying me enough. <laughs> Gosh, thank you so much for sharing that experience because I know a lot of people who are going to listen to this are going to resonate with that experience because it happens so often in corporate America. They ask for, and you're like, that we did not agree upon this when I came in this store. Right. Oh. Right. So I think that is very important to advocate for yourself and then cover your ass. <laughs> if you can. Um, thank you so much. You have shared so much with me and my audience. Are there any last minute golden sprinkles that you'd like to give to the people? Not at this moment, but feel free to join me on Instagram. I will say that I do get a lot of requests for business related mm -hmm. mental health. So I am developing um, an Instagram account in a, a smaller group that will be able to help with people who want to start their own businesses and move away from the nine to five and dealing with the mental health aspect of that. So for now, um, it's sister is fine on Instagram and Facebook, but more is to come. Wow. So inspiring. See, this is, let me get it. We gotta <laughs> go. We gotta go. We don't have time. Um, once again, this has been absolutely not. I'm your host, Katrina Schroll. My amazing special guest today was Jamila Pachel. You can find her at the links that she said um, earlier, and I will have them listed in the show notes. I just want to say thank you to everyone who has been supporting me in this journey and the growth of Absolutely Not. We are finally officially sponsored, and those sponsors will be listed on my website and in the show notes. So Oh, I'm about to cry. Um, I cannot thank y'all enough for continuing to show up for me weekly. Um, we will see you next time and keep sending those boundaries. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.